Say it every single time I get up here. Um, John and Tiffany, the entire team is absolutely amazing. And um, it's just a privilege to be here. I, I think I've heard this said before, but I've had an opportunity over the years um, to minister in, in many different places. And there's something about this house, especially the worship, that when you get in here, I mean, you could do anything. I don't even have to study. You know, it's just like you just jump in and go. So it's always such a privilege. And, and I, I tell you, it's, it's things like that. I remember back when um, the launch was going on, when the transition was taking place with you guys. And that one thing, I know John and I were talking, and I said, there is, there is one thing that I know without a shot of a doubt in terms of the DNA of this house. And there's a number of things. But is that when the DNA of this house, even then, I mean, it was, wasn't very many people at that point uh, when that transition all took place, but there's something about a grace and a gift of the presence and the worship of the Lord in this place. And, and you, you recognize it, you sense it, it changes the atmosphere and sets things up for so many incredible things to happen. And I tell you this, the one thing that I've learned in the principle of God um, You have to honor that. You have to value it. Because a lot of times when you're in the house, I've learned this too, um, you get used to that. It becomes normalized. And, you know, when you start to get used to things, um, the appreciation of what God's doing in the midst of it can be skewed to some degree. I don't know why I'm saying this. I just want to share it. Because I know this, that when you honor and value what's on other people and what's on the house, then what it does is it increases it and it releases it. And it's interesting, and I I talk about this all the time, but even specifically related to the worship team. Because to the measure in which you honor and value what God's doing in them and through them, what you're receiving, it begins to release greater levels and dimensions in them and in a sense comes back on you and releases you. Do you understand? That's the kingdom. That's, that's how it works. And so I, I just want to encourage you. Um, I'm just. <laughs> but I want to encourage you. Um, if the Lord lays on your heart. I don't know what this looks like. But how you can. Verbally, whether it's a word you get or a a letter or a card or take them out to lunch, something. These are the type of things that are simplistic, but it's how the kingdom works. And it's how we can show appreciation for the gift and honor the gifts that are around us in the house, whatever that looks like. You know, maybe it's bringing some roses in. I, I like gifts. You know, that's my love language, my wife says. So that's the way I express it. But the reality is, is this. With the kingdom, when you honor and value something, it begins to release what you're focusing on even into greater degrees. And the nature of the kingdom is reciprocal because the more that they go into higher levels, what happens out here? Man, there's revelation, the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, healing, supernatural. It's all a team here. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that because I feel like it's one way as the body we can actually, the grace that's been given on the worship team to actually get there faster and go to greater places. You know, and it's kind of cool because we have control over that, right? Is the measure in which we can sow into that, it actually releases and goes back into us. It's just a reciprocal thing. So I didn't know where that came from, but you know, something that's kind of interesting. When I came in this morning, 
I, I had some cologne sitting in my seat, so I, I don't know if that was a message from John and Tiffany. I stink. But no, this is this was one of the clones that I, I don't know if I talked about it or something. So you came in uh, and ministered a couple of years ago. Um, and so this has been sitting in his drawer for two, two years now, huh? <laughs> no, just kidding. So, so I, I smelled it on you and I, I recognized the, the fragrance. Um, I had a bottle of it. And... <laughs> Look at there. Look at there. I tell you... Uh, I'm going to get it out here, but this is, this is one of my favorites, but it's a gold bar, you know, and I, I just think that sometimes you got to look for the Lord everywhere. I'm not reaching, but you know, I wasn't expecting to, when I came in this morning, see a thing of cologne sitting on my seat and it looked like a gold bar. Um, but I, when I saw it, you know, there's certain things, and this is talking about the language of God, but there's certain things that when you see it, it triggers things in you. And the one thing that it triggered in me was a story that I read one time of a couple of guys that were in the gold rush in California, and they bought this big parcel of land to go dig, and they got all this tools and everything. I mean, they've been going after it and going after it and going after it. They found a small little vein, and they're like, okay, this is it. And they kept on going, they kept on going, they kept on going. And then all of a sudden, they said, forget this. We're not seeing anything else. We're going to give up. So they sold it. This other guy comes in, he gets an engineer, and the engineer says, it should be right in here. They dug three feet, and they discovered a massive vein, multi-millions and millions and millions. And I thought about that, and I just felt like, you know, the Lord was here encouraging people today that you've been digging, in a sense, you've been going after some things, don't stop. Keep on going. Because you're just right there at it, just about three foot more. Don't let somebody come in there and take over all that work you've done. I don't know what that looks like, but I just want to encourage you in that today. Um, I'm excited about this morning. I brought my, one of my, uh, this is my rhino cup. And I felt like today we're going to get our charge back. That's why I love the rhino. The rhino is an animal that's huge, but... It's an animal that's not afraid. When it's in the jungle or wherever they're at, that what it does is it charges. It's got a big horn on it. And it's not afraid of anything. And there's something about when that thing starts charging. I mean, it's a few thousand pounds, I think, is what it is. I mean, you're not going to get in the way of it. And if you are, you're going to get removed real quick. <laughs> and, and I, you know, this is something that's become kind of cool for me in my life. And I identify with is the rhino. And there's some things that God's put in you. There's some places you're at in your life. And I feel like today the Lord wants to just come and he wants to give you that rhino spirit and to bring that charge back in your life. Where things have been kind of diluted a little bit, but the charge is coming right now. And I want to uh, just kind of talk a few minutes this morning about climate control. Is that okay? How many are hot in here today? Anybody cold? Okay. Well, we want to talk about climate control for a few minutes. And particularly around the fact, and I'm not talking about tree hugging. Okay? I'm not against, hey, we need to take care of the earth. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about 
the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. Anybody know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? A, ther- a thermostat has the capacity and the power to actually change the temperature of an environment. But a thermometer only has the ability to tell you what's going on in the environment, but can't change it. And I believe as the body of Christ, we are called all to be thermostats. But sometimes life happens, I get it, and as a result of that, we can become a thermometer, meaning that we can just kind of measure what's going on, but the power is there and present for us to actually be the thermostat and see things change. And there was a a real sense this morning, you know, around this, that we each carry something unique and special in us. And there's something of, uh, there's a sense right now in the earth, I feel like, on what I see just out there and just a a sensitivity of what God's doing and so forth, is we, we say reformation, but it's reformation. It's something that we carry that changes culture. And I I believe that many times as the church, we feel like the work of that, the experience of that, and the the vision of that is only facilitated or released in the four walls of the church. But there's this, this thing that the Lord is saying, I have put in you to go outside the four walls and to walk in the fullness of the thermostat anointing, not the thermometer. Because a lot of times on Monday morning, we go back to our job and we're like, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I got to do. And I'm a thermometer. Rather than seeing it with new eyes that I'm a thermostat, I can walk into any situation, any time and begin to experience and, and release the kingdom of heaven. And that looks different with everything, but it's a mentality that you have. And I believe that's how reformation is actually going to happen. It will not happen from the stage today by me talking about it. I might get my own reformation, in a sense, moving, but it's not going to change a whole community. It's not going to change a whole city. But there's this place of what has God put in you? Because there's a seed in there, there's a promise, there's a purpose that God wants to release in that way. And, and you understanding that and walking in the fullness of that is the place you walk into being a thermostat versus a thermometer. It's the place where we, we at work, we um, identify with rhinos and we tell people we don't hire cows. Amen. You know, we don't hire cows. Cows just sit out there in the field, they chew the cud, they lay down, they sleep, they don't do nothing, they get up late. But a rhino, man, they get up there and they're going after it. So it's a different mentality, and I believe that the Lord has created us to be rhinos, to be charging the things of God every single day, and and, and impacting people's lives in an awesome way. And I wanted to start off because I felt like this particular scripture was a great place to start. But today there's a sense of, 
the word that I keep hearing is almost like visitation and activation. Visitation and activation. And, and not everybody's there and it's all good. But I feel like for those that are here today and you're feeling that sense, the Lord is drawing you in into a remembrance of visitation, a releasing an additional visitation, but it's also the fact of the activation. It's not that it wasn't existent, but there's something about today that it'll be realized or even remembered that will bring you back into the same experience. But it's our responsibility to walk in that. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir. I have not mastered this at all, but I have walked through things in my life that have, um, you know, been pretty testing along these lines. But in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 30, this is talking about Mary. I know John's been talking about um, faith a lot the last few weeks. And I think that is so huge to being able to enter into what God wants to do. Um, in your life, in this community, in the city, and different things like that, because it's the difference between a cow and a rhino. A, a cow doesn't have faith to chew cud. You know what I'm saying? It, it, when you're doing something radical, that requires faith because you don't know what's going to happen. You just get something like, I'm going to go with this thing. And, and that's the type of, of stirring, I believe, that the Lord is sending us into, and it's where we change things, where there is a reformation that actually occurs along those lines. But the cool thing about it is, and I'm going to talk about this, it's, it's the gift in you. I don't have your gift. And everybody in here operating in those gifts and doing those things and stepping out in that and being a rhino and charging the things of God like that is what creates change. If it's just one or two people, it, it, it's not as great of an impact. But it's great. Keep on going. But I'm, the Lord wants to stir us all in that way. But Mary, great example. And Luke chapter 1, verse 28. I want to read this um, and kind of set up some context here. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I read this two nights ago, and I was overwhelmed. Just this one scripture, and I didn't even know why. I was reading it, and all of a sudden, I just got rocked. And there was this revelation of that the Lord came to Mary and said this to her before anything else happened. Think about this. Before anything else happened, before anything else was released... Before anything else was said, this is how the Lord saw Mary. I think there are a lot of us out there that you disqualify yourself based upon how you see yourself, based upon your previous experience, your previous life. And it's not that the Lord believes that. It's that you do. And as a result, that which you carry is not able to be released because of your belief in something that is completely untrue in his eyes. Amen. So the enemy is using that 
to disarm you and keep you from entering into the fullness of what God's called you to. So your best way to defeat him is just do what he said and what he's put in your heart. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Once again, we're still in that place. Well, who are you talking to? What, me? 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 You don't understand, man. I, I was a drunkard. I smoked pot for five years. I was promiscuous. I had an abortion. I mean, I'm not saying she had those things, but that's the way we think in our mind so that when the Lord comes, we can't receive it because we have already disqualified ourselves. But I mean, this is Mary. This is the lady that's going to carry Jesus. And she's having this type of response. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So the angel came in a second time and reinforced what God saw. What God believed, because he needed to overcome, in a sense, her potential disqualification of what he was releasing in that moment. Amen. I'm telling you, that right there is powerful. And that right there, if we would stop today and just close service down, it would be revolutionary. There are things in our life that have happened that we're disqualifying ourselves. We're limiting ourselves. Who was Mary? I mean, was she a person that was fasting 10 days a week? Or I don't know. There's not a whole lot of biblical, but she was young. But God came out of nowhere with the angel and said, This is what's going to go down. God's not limited by your past. I believe that we have so much more potential. And I say this all the time, but I'm getting greater revelation every minute. We have so much more potential, but the reason we don't reach that which is in our heart, even on like... Work and business and money and finances and all these things is because we're contending with the disqualification of where we were at in the past rather than seeing what God's called us to do and just going with that. I don't have to figure it out. I just need to go with it. I don't need to be restricted or restrained by what hasn't happened or what I did do or what my friends or people have said about me. And that's part of the contention when the angel, Gabriel, I mean, come on. We're talking about visitation, supernatural. But when the angel Gabriel shows up, there's contention there with her to receive what he's saying. It tells me, because I like to look at these stories like today. It tells me that we naturally are going to go to that place. But what I got to do is believe what he's saying to me. 
And that's what I want to point you back today to. What has he said to you? What is he stirring in you? What are the things that have been spoken over you? And then in Luke 131, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. What's in you? I believe that Mary is no different. I highly respect her. But she is an example, and she carried our Lord and Savior. But she's no different. She put her pants on the same way we do, one leg at a time. She's no different in that sense. And I believe that although her purpose was that, you have a specific purpose of where you're carrying something or releasing something, or called to something that is specific and unique to her. Not everybody could carry Jesus in their womb at that moment. But she did. Not everybody can carry what you have in your heart. Only you can do that. And... Even in this situation, look at the impact of Mary's acceptance of what was being said in spite of her contention of potential disqualification. That the Savior of the world she would carry and would come forth and set us free that we would sit here today and be talking about it thousands of years later because of a decision to believe the Lord Rather than to believe the contention that she might have felt that she was disqualified or unable, even in the event of that time. I mean, think about this. She wasn't married. In that time, if you're not married and you have a baby, they put two and two together and they figure it out in their math. (laughs) And what is the result? You die. We kill you. So think about what this young girl's thinking in her mind. What's going through there? It wasn't like, oh gosh, the word of the Lord's come to me. It's done. You don't think that there was some contention? You don't think that there was some possible concern? I mean, she was flesh. She was normal, like us. And she walked in a world that was not redeemed yet. So I say, let's put ourselves in that position and what does it look like? But we all have something in us that we're carrying. Don't let the past disappointments, I don't care what it is, disqualify you from what God has put in you. I don't care if it's divorce. I don't care if it's abortion. You can think of the worst thing in the world. Homosexuality. I mean, I don't care. Nothing will disqualify you from that which God has put in you. Nothing. And somebody needs to hear that today. I don't care if you're in the middle of it right now. It doesn't make a difference to me. That which he put in you is present. 
There's nothing that can disqualify you from that which he has given you other than you. Now, I'm not against, I mean, you got to be, when you walk in the things of God, there is a place of holiness. That's not where I'm going right now. I'm not, it's not grace, do whatever you want to do, whatever. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is this. I don't care where you're at now. I don't care where you're going to be at in three years from now or five years from now. The callings of God, that, that which he's put in you is for you. He never walks away and said, guess what? You screwed it up. I'm pulling it. You have purpose. You have meaning. And there's a sense of that rhino in you to run, to charge forward. And that what he's called you to do. So how do we get there? Luke 1, 34 and 35. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Still a little bit of contention, Right? Like, how is this going to happen? Um, I'm a virgin. Listen, when these things come, once again, back to visitation and activation, you're never going to figure out how it's going to happen. Trust me, in my short span of life, and you guys know some of my story, and it's crazy. I always think that I haven't figured out, and I never have it figured out. And I find myself in some of the craziest situations. We were at Valentine's Day dinner with some good friends of mine, um, my coach at my gym, and with him and his wife, me and Carmen were there. And he, the wife asked Jenna, she said to Carmen, I think it was, if, am I right? He says, what, what do you think's kind of major, what, was it your strongest in your marriage? Yeah, she says, and she asked how long we've been married. And and I just said a long time. Um, And she said to Carmen, she goes, well, what do you think has really caused your marriage to be strong? And so I'm sitting there listening. I'm thinking, man, maybe she's going to say, because Jason, he takes me on trips or, you know, he does stuff for me. He brings me roses. He takes me out to dinner. And she goes, she says to her, she goes, well, it was probably the time that Jeremiah was going through all that stuff and he had to have about three or four brain surgeries. I was like, what? <laughs> but I think it's so true because the crazy chaos in that time brought us where most people would drive you apart and you'd get divorced. It actually brought us closer together, even today made us stronger as a result of it. But it was the challenge of that. It was walking through it together that caused us to link arms greater. And also to the place today that no matter what comes our way, we feel like, hey, we've already been through hell a couple of times. We feel like we got this one way or another. So it's something to kind of think about along those lines. But he asked the question, how's this going to happen? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. You know, at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit. That's why I say you're not, the only person that can disqualify you is you. It's the Holy Spirit. 
It, the, the stuff that God is going to put in your heart, that he's put in your heart, that, that sense of, you know, Mary's carrying Jesus, the only way it's going to come about is by the Holy Spirit. And it should be good news to you because you are not the Holy Spirit. I need to say that again. It should be good news to you because you're not the Holy Spirit. Because we figure out how we're going to do it. And we do have a part to play, but really the doors are opened by the partnership and relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about religion. We're going to get there in a minute. I'm talking about surrender to say, God, here I am. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm a virgin. How, I mean, scientifically, how is this going to take place? It's impossible. I mean, think about her mind. She knows how babies happen probably, right? You think, you think she did? And then all of a sudden, she's having a conversation with an angel telling her she's going to have the kid. And by the way, how's this going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come on. You know, can you imagine telling your kid? I mean, there's no grid for that. No grid. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. So we don't think about these things just in natural human ways. But imagine when that comes. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that the fruition of this stuff actually takes place. It's it's who we lean into. He is present to see these things happen. But you can't disqualify yourself by what you did in the past, what you're not doing today, or even tomorrow. Because he never changes his mind on that. Never. Getting a little quiet in here. So this happens, and it's interesting in the scripture, when she goes and visits Elizabeth, it has the song of Mary. And Mary's singing about what's in her womb. It's the Lord and what he's going to do. Think about faith for a minute. Think about how faith is growing. I am carrying the Messiah. The king of the Jews. But also think about the progression of what that looked like from Jesus coming forth until he enters into actually his ministry. I mean, how do you walk through that? How do you discipline Jesus? Do you have to discipline him? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, in today's time, I think about what was she yelling at Jesus? Jesus, clean your room up! Did Jesus just clean his room up all the time? I don't know. But yeah, I think about my boys. And I think, oh my gosh, I don't know if Jesus was like that or not. My youngest son, I had the, the car registration. Um, and I set it up on the bar two days ago. And it has the sticker, you know. You know, it's really hard to get those things. You know, you get them and you better do something with them quick. Because anything with the DMV and everything else is crazy. And um, I hear Carmen, Joshua, what'd you do? I was like, what happened? 
And he, that joker had taken that thing because he saw a piece of paper on the bar and he literally shredded it in a thousand pieces. And Carmen's sitting there putting it all together. Like, what are you going to do? Put some tape over it? But I mean, it's funny, but this is every day, right? This is every day. But I mean, do you think she was any different? Real life. Real life. But this is the thing that I love about this when you talk about faith and, and there's something about the moment that we just read about Gabriel coming to her and speaking this to her. And you think about her journey. I mean, even to the point where, you know, Herod's like killing all the kids and you've got to leave. I mean, think about these things. We don't, we don't kind of like, oh, well, the Spirit of the Lord was with them and they were just totally fine. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe that. I think they were okay, but it doesn't mean you weren't in the atmosphere of what was going on. Yeah. And I think that's where we get disconnected. Oh, it's just supposed to be walking on water the entire way. No, it's not. Trust me. It's not. But when I walk on water, I embrace it. I need to remember the walking on waters because there's sometimes I'm going to walk through hell. But guess what? The word never changed. Even sometimes when I walk through hell, some of the things I did or said, spoke, it doesn't disqualify me. Somebody needs to hear that. Nothing's going to disqualify you. Nothing. Nothing. But she gets to this point in Luke, or excuse me, in John chapter 2, and I love this. And this is Jesus, and it's when he's coming into the ministry. And I, I believe this is one of his first miracles. But he, they're coming in, they're at a wedding. We all know kind of the setting. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. This is the same woman that had the encounters with Gabriel years ago. This is the same woman that when she spoke with Elizabeth, she had the song of Mary that she was singing about what she was carrying in her womb. Even one of the, the, the scriptures there was that I'm carrying with an outstretched arm is going to change the world. So she finds herself in this situation. And this is radical to me. And she knows because she has faith. She has faith from the time that Gabriel spoke to her through the years that she walked with Jesus. She knows what's in her midst. Even through all the killing of the firstborns and everything. I mean, this is her history. Think about it. Even with the persecution of Jesus and where that's all. I mean, think about this. She's walked through all this. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. I mean, that's just kind of crazy myself. Like, I mean, you run out of stuff, right? Why am I going to go to Jesus and tell him they have no more wine? I mean, when the wine's gone, you just stop the party, right? It's over. You know, I go to the restaurant, I don't say, hey, we're out of food. When I'm done eating my meal, I'll move on pay for the bill and leave. Wedding's over. 
But she comes to Jesus and she says, I just think about crazy stuff like that personally. But she says, they have no more wine. And he says here in this translation, woman, why do you involve me? I like that. Why do you involve me? Because I'm your mom. And the angel Gabriel spoke to me. And I know what's present in this room right now. What do you call that? Faith. Faith. How did that faith develop? Because of the contention. Think about that. (laughs) Contention's part of this thing. It was the contention of the word that went forth. And how am I going to do this? I'm a virgin. Who am I? What manner of greeting is this? Oh my God, they're killing all the firstborn. What are we going to do, Joseph? We don't think about those things. But it was the contention that aided to building the faith. Why? Because when you're in a place of contention, you're at the end of yourself. And there's no other opportunity but for God to show up and prove what he's already spoken to you. If, If you don't have contention, then what faith is required? Listen, one of the most powerful things that I ever experienced from a faith standpoint, I was in the ministry full time for 20 something years. When Jeremiah was diagnosed with those things and we had to go through four surgeries, and some of you guys heard me say this, I was at the bottom of the bottom. People would see me in these videos and things like that and say, man, he's got faith. And and I did deep down, but it was so deep down I could hardly find it sometimes. There were things that I walked through and did and said that were not faith-filled words. I'm just be real with you. But it was... Position me that I was at the bottom. Like, I could not do nothing for myself in that sense. I was at the end of it. And I got to the point where I was like, Lord, if you don't do this, it ain't going to happen. And I don't have a bit, a morsel of energy to do anything. He says, all right, now we're going to have some faith. And those were the moments that God came in that I experienced a revelation that caused literally what I felt like I walked into a degree of spirit of religion to fall off of me. Oh boy, I don't know if we want to go here. Because a spirit of religion will say, if I do these religious acts, then I can yield this result. And I was desperate to do anything to make sure my son was going to be okay. So there was the contention in my heart at the time. Oh, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to fast for a week. Did the Lord tell me to fast? Was I unctioned by the Holy Spirit to fast? No. Mm-mm. No, no. Is fasting work? Yes. Yep, done it. Been there. Had some great things happen. But I was in a place like I'm just going to fast. That was a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And the reason why was because it was not unctioned by the Holy Spirit to urge me to go to that way. 
So we talk about a spirit of religion, and that's what you know it's really talking about there in, in the scriptures, a, a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. So what it comes down to is what is your heart motivation? I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit for an hour each day. Great. But why? Is it the unction of the Lord? Because I just, I, I want to get to the place that miracles are, are prevalent every single day. I want to be there too. But what's the pathway? Is it an inspiration? And this is, gets weird because I grew up like this. But is it an unction of the Holy Spirit that's leading me that way? You know, I, I am, and I'm going to go here just for a second. I might not get to minister again. So I'm going to go ahead and just go. You have to be careful with this because I don't want to diminish the things that God does or has us step into. But what I find and what I discovered in the midst of the bottom of the barrel of my life when my son was having three different brain surgeries and eventually ending with half of his brain taken out and being a man of faith and power that had ministered for 20-something years and couldn't figure out what the heck was going on, I realized that there was a measure of the spirit of religion on me that in that situation, because I was completely tapped out, it caused me to be able to see the face of God and understand what faith was. And every avenue vehicle that I took that was a religious practice that I knew that I had seen in the reality work, my reasoning for doing it was to yield a certain result. Me. And there's nothing wrong with that. In a sense... As long as there's a movement or an unctioning of the Holy Spirit. And there's grace even in that. Based upon where you're at maturity and different things. I'm not going to go there. But I feel like the spirit of religion, what it does is it enslaves you. To do these practices to get you to a certain place. And when it doesn't happen, you go into a place of hopelessness. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And then the purposes that we're talking about right here that God spoke to, we blame it. He's not doing it. Spirit of religion is a big deal. Because it's so counterfeit. The enemy talks about is, the Bible talks about the enemy as the angel of light. So when I'm fasting to get a certain result, I'm thinking I'm doing something good. That's in the Bible, right? People do it, right? But what's the, the motive? What's my motive? And that's the key. How is this going to get done, Mary said? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is the guide. He leads you into all truth. And it's important that we have him there present with us. Because if we would just put it on autopilot and hit these religious practices with the expectation to see something happen, trust me, I know I've been there, I walked it. 
we will get very disappointed. And I think that's why a lot of people give up on God. Or they go to the background and say, well, I still love God. Me and him are tight, but I just don't want to be around all that religious stuff anymore. Is this okay on a Sunday morning? It's interesting with the religious spirit. I'll close this thing down. It, 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 it's critical too. You know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm fasting every single morning. And, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, this is happening. And then we look at other people. Well, he just needs to fast. If he would just fast like that. These are identifiers. Hey, I've been there myself. Wants to get into certain positions in the body of Christ. Because if they can elevate themselves to here, it can feed that thing. Listen, man, I, I did all kinds of leadership in church. Trust me, you don't want to get in all the, any of those places unless the Lord told you to. Because if not, you're going to get your butt kicked. I mean, you just want to be real. I've been on both sides of it. The Holy Spirit. And I share this with you today because some of you guys, I didn't realize the degree of the spirit of religion was on me. I'm going to be real. And since things have happened in my life, a lot of that stuff just dropped off. And my, even though I used to preach about it, my life is really truly relationship with the Lord. And I don't do nothing unless I feel like it's the unction of him. I just don't care no more. And that's part of what the spirit of religion does in terms of its enslavement. It wants you to care about what people think so that you'll do certain things to get that approval. And when you actually are walking in the freedom of what God's saying to you and you're moving in that, that's when you start to see reformation. Why? Because you enter into reformation yourself. And we all have those battles we have to fight. But you're either a thermostat or you're a thermometer. God's got something specific for each of you. And I want to challenge you today to have a real conversation with yourself and say, am I being a thermostat or am I being a thermometer? Am I able just to measure what's going on around me? Or I'm in a position of faith and understanding that I can change the environment. I can change the atmosphere. And the other thing was this. What measure does the spirit of religion play in my life? Where are there places that I have forms, but the power isn't existent? And the question would be, I have to ask myself is, what is the heart motive behind what I'm doing? That could be a sobering question. But if we'll be real about that, 
I'm telling you, man, you'll experience a level of freedom. It will release you into what God has spoken. Just as Mary spoke with Gabriel and it released that in her, I felt a lot of us, this will release what's in you as well. So I want everybody just to stand up. And uh, I just want to pray for you today. Lord, I just, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit. We just, uh, we honor and we acknowledge you. And Lord, there is so much gifting in these seats. There is so much promise purpose. And Lord, where the enemy has come in to rob, even kill, steal, and destroy, I ask that you would come now and that you would open all of our eyes of our understanding to see what you've called us to. And Lord, where the spirit of religion has come in snuck in subtly in different avenues and areas in our life, I ask that you would come and soberly open our eyes to this today. And where fear has existed, it says your word, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But where fear has come in, and gave entryway to even the spirit of religion to yield a specific result. I ask that you would come in now and dispel the fear. Release your people of that fear, of that sense of bondage, that, Lord, that they might be free today, that literally there will be a shaking off. In this place, Holy Spirit, come. Walk through the crowd. Walk around every single seat today and touch your people. That just as Mary had the encounter, the visitation, I ask that you would come and release a fresh visitation of the Lord upon people to see that which you've called them to and release them from that which holds them back. 